Welcome to The Nest Show, the podcast that brings you insights into the crypto market, trading and investment experiences, and what we're looking forward to as we navigate the space together. Before we get started with the show, I want to thank our friends and sponsors over at PrimeXPT, where many of our listeners have already signed up to trade by visiting theburbnest.com slash PrimeXPT. PrimeXPT is the most powerful trading platform offering immediate access to over 30 assets. Users may trade cryptocurrencies, Forex, commodities, stock indices, and much more, all from a single Bitcoin-settled account. Ferrum Network is an interoperable DeFi ecosystem offering token presales, staking as a service, project incubation, and much more. Visit theburpness.com slash ferrum. And now for the show. What The Nest Show is. This is a podcast brought to you by the Burb Nest community, an independent crypto and Forex-centered trading community built to sharpen each other in capturing opportunities in the markets while protecting capital along the way. What this is not, trading advice. We are not financial advisors, and you should not regard any information here or in the Nest Club as financial advice. You should always consult a licensed financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Hey everybody, it's Adrian, it's CryptoBurb here, and welcome to today's episode of the Nest Show podcast. And today we're joined by an amazing guest, by a person who's truly inspiring to, to the crowds, to the many people in the, in the cryptocurrency industry and beyond. And I'm very happy to be hosting Simon Bedic today. How is it going, Simon? Hi there, Burb. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be on. Awesome. Likewise, I'm very excited. Um, you know, for you being the managing partner of Motor Capital, uh, being the overall blockchain and crypto enthusiast, right? The Bitcoin and altcoin trader. Uh, could you tell me and our viewers, our listeners, a little bit more about, uh, about your story, about what Motor Capital uh, presents to the, to the people, to the institutions, to the clients? Uh, yeah, could you shed a, a, a bit more light on the on your background? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, as you already mentioned, like I'm the the managing partner of Moonrock Capital, um, which is basically like a venture capital fund and that focuses on token and equity investments as well as the incubation and acceleration uh, of early stage crypto and blockchain startups. Um, I would say we are rather new uh, to the space compared like to some other big players. So I think we, we started like, um, like something like two years ago, um, but we are growing quickly and we are already like building like a nice track record. Um, I would say we, we don't really have like a particular investment thesis per se. Um, uh, as long as the project is promising and in the, in the crypto and blockchain space, obviously, um, we're always open uh, to have a look and to, to invest in it. Um, but however, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the market is obviously pretty much narrative driven. So, so we're also watching the market and thus like we recently mostly invested into like DeFi, um, Polkadot ecosystem projects and NFTs. Um, yeah, regarding my background, um, I actually have like a rather unconventional background uh, for someone being full-time crypto. Um, I actually studied biology and I always wanted to, to be like a tumor researcher, like slash professor or something, right? <laughs> so I even started like my PhD in tumor immunology. And uh, yeah, but that's, a, that's amazing. That's amazing to hear. Actually, you know, you already have a lot of in common because I myself, I'm a chemical technology engineer and chemistry and technology is quite, 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 you know, quite I correlated. 
right? Yeah, that, that's amazing. I mean, my PhD was also mostly uh, biochemistry related. So, um, I mean, obviously... So, uh, let's, let's make it a chemical podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> I love it. When yeah. chemical coin, right? Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean... Maybe it was the same for you, but by, I mean, I love like the theory behind all that stuff, right? And like the, the whole science stuff. Um, but I quickly realized that um, it's not really what I, what I wanted to do like for the rest of my life on a daily basis. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I always uh, invested into crypto personally, just like as a private investor, like since the beginning of 2017, I believe. Um, I was always fascinated by the space and, and also by the technology and all like the, the whole like the whole spirit um, in the space. Um, and at some point I, I met Jonathan and Alex, um, like my two partners at Moonrock Capital, and we were all like kind of like in the same boat. And we we're all like super excited about crypto, dreaming about like a career in crypto. Uh, and also like not too happy with our jobs so so at some point we we decided to quit our jobs and to go full-time crypto that's when i dropped out of my phd and this is when we started with blockfire actually i mean which uh, might like one or the other might might still remember blockfire and it was like basically like a research house where we issued like um, research reports about um, promising and interesting crypto projects. We were deep diving into like the technology, token economics, uh, et cetera, and um, eventually indicating whether we believe the token has like um, growth potential or not, right? And within the scope of Blockfire, uh, we also often work like with the projects teams um, themselves and um, because we requested some information or like we wanted to double check whether we are like um, stating correct information. And that's when we quickly realized that they, they also often ask for advice actually. And, and many of the teams um, actually rather come like from traditional space and want to build like that technology and want to focus on that, right? Which is fair enough. Um, but uh, most of them uh, actually have no clue uh, like about the crypto side of the business and, and they don't really know how to handle this uh, unconventional crypto wide west, which it still is right to some extent. And so we started advising projects, helping them out like with our connection. And, and, and this, is, this is basically when we, when we founded Moonrock Capital. And there we, we tried to, to come in like at an early stage um, and we, we invest obviously our own capital and then we try to help them out like wherever we can maybe with advice on, on token metrics or token economics and connections to like um, exchanges or marketing agencies and as we obviously grew like a great network over the last years uh, doing like the marketing strategy for them the go-to market strategy and all, and all that stuff basically um, and it has shown that it's like a great business model because it's just like a win-win situation for both sides. I mean, we obviously have great upside potential. We, we are able to, to um, influence like the success of our own investments, right? And um, for, the, for the crypto startups, we are basically just like um, free working force. <laughs> I love it. I love it. There's been a lot of good details, you know. Uh, and I think... I think, you know, what, what definitely sort of like is inspiring about you is, uh, is the, the breadth, you know, the sort of like the, the, the width, 
the amount of interest that you're actually having, right? Starting you know, from from the biology through the chem, you know, biochemistry, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Or the chemical biology, you name that, you know, towards the actual investing, but also, you know, just uh, dealing with, uh, well, with institutions, with the institutional clients, right? Be mm. be the, be the you know the the companies, right? Which are which are actually coming to be supported, uh, you know, by by Monroe Capital, right, on the incubation basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you know, as a, as I'm trading and as, as an investor, right, you are directly sort of like correlated with the market. Um, mm-hmm. Could you tell me a little bit more, of course, if it doesn't come out as a secret, uh, <laughs> about your thoughts, yeah, about your thoughts, you know, over 2021, but from the institution point of view? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think what's this is like a like a super interesting topic actually and uh, i think also like a pretty relevant one and because i think institutions um like since 2020 like kind of feel like a, to some extent some kind of fomo right and i think sadly this this all started like with with corona in in last march and um where we all like first had like the the, the panic dumping and then like i mean also like in traditional markets right and this is like when when the Fed or or I mean like basically all governments just started to like uh, hyperprint money and inflate the market with it. So actually, everyone who knows or like who isn't like completely blind and and following the market knows that there's like an inflation coming at least to to a certain extent. And plus, like looking for like a store of value, right, and trying to preserve the wealth. And I think like. I mean, most obviously know um, that like Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy um, started like this 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 great uh, institutional trend uh, by putting their treasury into Bitcoin, but also being so so public about it and also and um, being so advocative about it. And because like Michael Saylor obviously is like a well-spoken guy, and um, I think he's like really a crucial factor who who kickstarted this institutional FOMO or at least was like encouraging other institutions like to, to follow him. And best, best greetings, best greetings from, from the Nest show to the Micah Saylor. <laughs> Sorry, again? I'm saying best best regards and best greetings to Michael Saylor from yeah, our podcast. Totally. Uh, yeah, if Michael Saylor is listening to it, like great fan here. I mean, feel free to reach out. I would love to, to, to talk to him. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, then, then maybe the, the most insane news for me personally and most probably also for for many others was like Tesla stepping into the game, right? And like one of the biggest companies in the world throwing their treasury in and and also being like so so public about it. And and I mean Elon Musk was was always like memeing around with Doge and and also to to some extent with Bitcoin. And so I guess people were anticipating it, but um, this, it was great to have it like as a final confirmation. And I think this is like the big difference uh, that we are having in, in 2020 and 2021 uh, compared like to 2017. And in 2017, it was just like retail formal, right? And so um, it was just like Reddit investors and Twitter investors, uh, like shilling it all over the place and throwing their, their pocket money into it. But, but now it's like actual institutions and like, kind of billionaires foaming, right? And and being also so public about it. And I think this is very important because of two reasons. Um, firstly, they, they have like a whole other time horizon, right? And 
it's not it's not like they they are gambling with their with their treasury money like billions of dollars right and and looking for a quick flip but they actually properly researches uh, research it they they do their due diligence and eventually they actually believe in bitcoin and decentralization as a as a concept and entering at it as like a as like a store of value and with a long term perspective and uh Yeah, secondly, uh, I think regardless of retail investors or institutions, um, I think many people out there still think like crypto is kind of a scam and the currency to buy like drugs and weapons uh, on Silk Road, right? Um, but now actually like the richest man in the world stepping into, into crypto and uh, also institutions following in um, doesn't only give like huge exposure to crypto and to, to the, to the, to the non-crypto people, But um, it's also building like huge trust amongst these people and uh, decriminalizes um, it for, for them to a certain extent. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, this is this is pretty much like, you know, very or actually print, printing the confirmation behind all my thoughts and all my sort of like, you know, market commentaries and readings. Uh, most importantly, you know, The main difference, I, I believe, you know, was uh, is between 2017 rally and 2020-21 rally is actually the infrastructure. As uh, and by, by the infrastructure, I mean the legal infrastructure, the security, right? Mm. Because the truth is that most of the most of the people, you know, most of the institutions didn't have enough of the infrastructure available in the place to enter back back in 2017, right? This was like a this was new. This was unconfirmed. This was not proven. Uh, like legit, you know, so mm -hmm. you couldn't expect back then, you know, all those institutions, Elon Musk's, Tesla's and everything just, you know, participating in the market because you were not having enough of this sort of like a, like an approval from the regulator, regulatory point of view. Mm -hmm. So now that this, you know, has changed over the time, uh, we are seeing sort of like a role flip, role uh, change. Uh, the, the demography change in the market, the market participants, the market structure changed because, as I said, 2017 was mainly retail driven, pretty much confirming what you just shared. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2020-21 is purely institutions driven. Mm. And uh, institutions, it's actually very, very interesting, but uh, most of the hedge funds, most of the funds, you know, investment funds, they underperform against the market, say they underperform against the averages. Right, mm. and you see many hedge, many hedge fund managers being sort of like pressed. You know, hedge, hedge fund is like a regular operating company, yeah. and uh, they would have you know like the bosses, the boards. They would have the the, the presidents, the CEOs. I mean, the CIOs, mm. uh, and uh, and so on and so forth. So this entire structure puts the pressure on the shoulders of hedge funds managers, which usually you know they are sort of like told uh, told to you know to just press right to keep delivering the numbers, to keep boosting the numbers. And they not only make you know human mistakes about uh, sort of like you know human errors about decisions you know whether to whether or not to exit or enter a given market you know at one yeah. point, but also uh, this altogether is what make what is forcing them and pushing them to join late as well you know and you would see lots more you know a lot of more uh, hedge funds a lot of more you know just funds the the trust you know getting more and more interested mm. uh, in uh, in the crypto because that's what people sort of like require. Right, people yeah, yeah. who are you know the institutional clients who need the exposure, um, you know the defenses, the funds as well, right? Who need exposure, sudden exposure to crypto market? They would mm -hmm. go to the people and brands like Michael Saylor. They would go, you know, to uh, to to for example, like CME would just open for the request. You know, the mm -hmm. you know 
uh, Ethereum ETFs, right? So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> or uh, like in general, uh, like for what was it CME? I, I'm not sure if it was CME. I'm talking about those those recent. Uh, just just not to not to confuse. I'm talking about this recent addition of uh, like on the Ethereum contracts, right? I think that was the futures contracts listed on on the CME, if I'm not mistaken. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. So on top of it, as I'm saying, you're going to see a lot of more ETFs. You know, the the passively managed mm -hmm. funds. You're going yeah. to see a lot of a lot of more funds, and they are sort of like the doors. They are like the portals. You know, like the mm -hmm. doors through which the mainstream can actually get in. And that's what they will keep appearing. That's why, you know, the liquidity will increase in the market. And uh, totally. uh, in a couple of minutes, I'm actually going to uh, screen share a chart, you know, for a second that mm -hmm. I think is going to be extremely important from the institutional and uh, sort of like, you know, non-institutional point of view that mm -hmm. will help our listeners and viewers pretty much like decide about where we are, you know, regarding the market context. But before mm -hmm. I do so, uh, I want to sort of like, um, get some better understanding, you know, for our viewers, for our listeners, that you, Simon, you know, being the managing partner for Moron Capital, uh, dealing with all those institutions, dealing with all those, uh, you know, just uh, the market trends reading. Uh, I know some of that is definitely, you know, just confidential, so I'm not going to pull your tongue over here. But could you just reveal and spill some beans, you know, over what indicators, what tools, you know, you guys are using like what what type of indicators you're you're tracking is it sentiment is it technical is it fundamentals how's it mm -hmm. um so i think like the the good the good news for the listeners is, is that we don't have like a like a big secret or something right or like a like a secret re, re i i don't i don't know i mean the the good thing is is as i mentioned before we are actually also we also started like as just private retail investors right so um, something that is trending usually only is trending because people think it's trending, right? So, um, uh, so which usually happens via word of mouth. So in my opinion, the most important indicator to identify trends is um, just like staying up to date on like all social channels and like um, being on, on Twitter and um, like 24 seven reading like the, the sentiment that is going on in the market, right? And to see what people talk about, what they like, what they get exactly excited about, also what not so much, right? And um, I think this is like a great advantage actually for us that we don't see things not so much from an institutional perspective, but rather right from a retail perspective. And um, in addition, obviously, it helps, right? If you if you build like a great network of of smart people who who know like where the wind is blowing, kind of so. You also not not only like in in the retail mass uh, to see like where um, the sentiment is going and how it evolves, but also like kind of behind the scenes and like what what people are talking about, what what the next trend is most likely to be. Um, yeah, and this is this is what we are also like obviously combining with fundamental and technical research. So um, we, of of course we we are also like uh, watching the charts, um, but I don't think. We are like the the we don't have like any super great indicators that that no one else out there has or something, um, and I think last but not least I think the key is just time and I, I think you just need to be willing to to invest like twenty four seven of your time to to deep dive into like the fundamentals of projects to deep dive into the topics and because 
the more you stay up to date and informed like all the time and the quicker you're also able to act and uh, time is obviously worth money in this market and this is what I usually advise to people um, who are looking into, like to enter crypto is I mean do you have the time and motivation to really like invest like all of your time into it because if not um, the market is so like fast paced and if, if they if they aren't like willing to to be like really really dedicated and uh, time investing into this market then then it's most likely not worth it for them yeah great said great said i couldn't agree couldn't agree more there's so much money to be made right now and it seems uh for those who are joining you know late on the market it seems that the market can only go up right but uh <laughs> as we are going to discuss in a in, in a minute or two uh this will not necessarily be the case I want to just quickly get uh, get a quick overview of your, your opinion, your evaluation over uh, current market, like for Bitcoin, for for DeFi, for altcoins. Like, what are your thoughts about okay. of all of that? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's like a, a tough question, actually. <laughs> um, but I think you you already uh, like asked it properly, actually, because I think you need to split it up into like um, Bitcoin and altcoins, right? Um, Bitcoin obviously is like kind of like the king asset in crypto, like like the the big store value with like uh, the, the biggest market dominance. Um, and if fiat is entering the market, it most likely um, ends up into Bitcoin first, right? And I mean, personally, I think I mean obviously Bitcoin is performing very well lately, and um, but I think I still think it's it's like pretty undervalued, especially given. Um, like this whole institutional trend and also like this this hyperinflation narrative right and where people are just like looking um for like a store of value and uh, obviously bitcoin is like the perfect asset for that um given it's like an anti-inflationary uh, nature and also like all the the money printing right uh, all all the money that is being printed and probably this this is not even like the end here i mean it, it needs to needs to flow somewhere so this is why i also think also the traditional markets uh, will keep going up and and yeah i think in addition and this actually also applies to alts is and um, the cool thing is it it's easier than ever before to access crypto right i mean PayPal uh, even started to integrate major cryptocurrencies and, and also like the major alts and also Robinhood, which is obviously super, super trending lately, uh, especially also uh, amongst like the younger generation. And so, so I think we will still see like some of the, the trend, uh, institutional FOMO and like maybe even Tesla uh, keeps accumulating uh, Bitcoin themselves, right? I mean, we all know that MicroStrategy didn't just like buy once. And so I think this is like a trend that, that can still um, continue. And um, yeah, then as always, uh, I mean, I believe a significant portion of that money that is flowing into Bitcoin will, will again end up in, in ALS and promising movements and technologies like DeFi or like, especially like also the, the Polkadot ecosystem projects, which is super, super interesting right now. And I mean, we have seen it in 2017 and there's always like a time lag between Bitcoins and uh, Bitcoin and, and altcoins. And um, I think this is what, what we will see again. And um, 
So I, I believe Bitcoin is already like in the middle of its if it's run, and it will still take like um, I believe the 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 um, bull market for Bitcoin could still last until like end of the year or something, and then altcoins will follow like with a time lag, and most likely push down Bitcoin dominance to around like I don't know 50 or or even 40 percent, and um, I think also like talking about uh, the institutional perspective, I think one thing that is really, really encouraging and really promising is that um, compared to 2017, retail investors have become like smarter and uh, also like um, founders and projects that are entering the market and like um, issuing no tokens, new tokens um, aren't that greedy anymore. So um, although like we are already like twice the market cap of like 2017 or something, and um, people still remain like conservative to some extent and, and don't just like issue like cash grabs or something. They, they are entering the market with like um, already existing products or like existing user bases. And, and it's, it's not like in 2017 anymore, right? Where like a white paper project raised like 30 million USD and it was still considered like a low cap gem. <laughs> Yeah, I can I can remember those times, you know. <laughs> this was this was actually a lot of fun uh, back then yeah. for me personally, per, perhaps for you as well. But many many people actually, you know, were uh, were not really about fun anymore because Bitcoin, you know, just decreased about ninety ninety. Actually, it was an 84 percent as far as I can recall, you know, of the maximum drawdown from the peak to the bottom of two thousand seventeen eighteen. Yeah. But uh, I'm actually just displaying the the chart right now um, mm-hmm. of. Bitcoin market cap, you know, uh, put against or on top of the the crypto market cap, right? And mm-hmm. we are seeing really, really big numbers. And the total, I mean, this is actually the, the entire total market cap, right? So it's it's Bitcoin and, and then altcoins uh, combined. Yeah. Uh, Bitcoin actually is about, you know, for the for its dominance stands for about sixty percent of the entire uh, market capitalization, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that that about forty percent of, of of the entire, you know. Uh, size of the market, money-wise, is uh, is allocated into crypto, uh, into sorry, into uh, into altcoins, of course, right? And this uh, this tells me like a couple of of, of information pieces. Firstly, uh, I could see dominance going down, which means that there is uh, overall increasing the capital, uh, you know, per uh, allocated in the market per the market cap as a whole, right? Which I'm referring pretty much like to. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to do this curve, of course, which is mooning, uh, mm-hmm. but it also tells me that the capital is flowing steadily but surely to altcoins. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you could see that you could see that that the entire you know market cap increases, but the dominance decreases, which means that altcoins are actually getting strength, you know, against Bitcoin mm-hmm. to some extent, to some extent, right? And not it's not necessarily a global. Uh, sort of like a thing just just yet a global per per let's say the the whole crypto uh, altcoin market but mm-hmm. it's starting to awaken like this big giant this monster is starting to awaken right starting okay. its awakening yeah. and like even if you compare of course you know uh the excluding the like inflation itself uh you see that we have you know pretty much like you know already Long time ago, uh, broken out above, you know, 2017 highs per the market cap itself, you know, uh, for uh, for the altcoins, mm-hmm. and I, which are represented by by the candlesticks in here, just out of uh, just out of this choice. But uh, the most important information is 
that we are uh, watching at the expansion, the aggressive expansion. We are looking at the aggressive expansion on the markets. And this regards both Bitcoin and altcoins. So which tells me the information that holistically, you know, just from the sort of like a top view, uh, the entire market is sucking in like a vacuum, the mainstream. Mm-hmm. This is slowly building up the mainstream momentum. And this yeah. is the next thing that I also want to touch upon. Uh, and let's just, for example, switch uh, switch the, the chart itself for a second. Uh, I'm just going to display the chart that I perhaps also uh, like to, you know, just hear some thoughts of yours. Uh, not sure if you're aware of this one. Yeah, this is Twitter already today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I dropped it a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> You know, this is for for all the new viewers. This is uh, NUPL, Net Unrealized Profit and Loss, okay, from Glassnode. Uh, The on-chain data uh, also, I mean, you know, just combined, you know, just brings you the information on, let's say, how much wealth, you know, is being stored on certain certain wallet addresses. This is all a public ledger, so you can just tell that. You don't, you can know, you cannot necessarily, you know, perfectly, you know, who that wallet owner just is. But yeah. you know how much more money and wealth they, they, they pretty much like store, right? And historically, any time that the annual is profit and loss, which is the measure and the actual sort of like an index of how much money is being left on the table. And this has a couple of sort of like effects on the market. Uh, this, is, this has to do with, uh, with the prospect theory, with behavioral finance uh, and the perception biases. People generally... Uh, follow something that is called a saliency. And saliency from the behavioral finance point of view is uh, when you don't, ex- because something didn't happen in the past couple of days, weeks or years, you can, you, you'd expect it would never happen. So, mm-hmm. right? And that's the reason why people never buy flood insurance until their home is flooded, right? <laughs> you never expect a correction as long as, you know, the market keeps going up, right? The correction is in like, Everybody who's been, you know, here for a long time knows that there's going to be another bear market and another bull market after this bear market, and so mm-hmm. on, because mm-hmm. those are the nature of the cycles. But many people uh, will become—I uh, mean—are becoming, you know, just more and more certain that this market is going up only, right? Just okay. like with the like like Dave Portnoy the other day with uh, with the stocks rally. <laughs> but uh, most important definite most important point is that if we just take into into consideration into account you know the typical sort of like a topish points you know, throughout mm-hmm. the history uh, mm-hmm. which means that when this is marked as a euphoria when the net unrealized profit when there is the biggest amount of the money being left on the table unrealized uh, this tells you about the sentiment of crowds that they are extremely certain they will refuse to take profits because mm-hmm. they believe it's going to continue right yeah, yeah. And the truth is that again, nobody expects a correction until it's too late. But when it's when it's when it's too late this time, this is going to be, in my opinion, more dramatic than it was in 2017, because the market is bigger, but it's still <laughs> securing the same volatility. So, a long story short, we are in the final phase. We're in the final phase, in my opinion, of the acceleration of the bull market. But mm-hmm. the finals, but this finals phase doesn't mean that we you know, just reverse to the bear market in the next week or next month. Instead, mm-hmm. it means that the volatility is about to soar. The volatility, you know, you, we're going to see 10, $15,000 candles, in my opinion, pretty, pretty fast, pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> and, this is, and this is going to lose so many people, you know, uh, you know to, like take, take the money off them, right? And this 
this and net unrealized profit and loss is the amount of money left on the table, which is the liquidity pool for the institutions. Mm-hmm. So institutions cannot end the bear market or the whales cannot bear the, um, end the bear bull market and start the bear market. They cannot exit the market efficiently as long as they don't have enough liquidity. Mm-hmm. So what we are seeing right now is we are seeing, you know, Elon Musk accepting Teslas. And guess what? I'm going to buy a Tesla with Bitcoin, right? <laughs> so he's not only, he's not only uh, you know, just sort of like opening up uh, I mean, I don't believe he made an investment at this high prices because he's the richest, you know, Forbes hundred person, whatever, uh, because mm-hmm. he knows exactly how to buy the dip and sell the top, right? Mm-hmm. Because he he's responsible for those. So he's not, if he's investing in Bitcoin, you know, at 12x or 14x after it's made, you know, since last year, not even that, then it's not for the investment purpose, but it's business. And yeah. I'm going to buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. So he is going to earn money of it, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to see, uh, like, oh, Apple Pay already done that, right? You're going to see Microsoft, Google, like Amazon, uh, Alibaba, all of those bigger, you know, just Lamborghini, perhaps, right? <laughs> You're going to see uh, many, many of those different, uh, just new market shares being discovered and unlocked. But um, most important point I want you, Simon, to perhaps touch upon and comment is, first of all, what is your comment over that? What do you think uh, from, again, from the institution's point of view, from the Moonrock point of view? Of course, not, this is not a financial advice, but more like your personal opinion, your, your point of view. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah before answering that, uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I want to emphasize that obviously no one can predict uh, like the, the perfect top and the prof- perfect bottom, right? So, so please don't pin me down on that. <laughs> Except, except I'm right, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know. I mean, obviously the market is, is super bullish right now and many are already in euphoria, right? Um, which always gives like this, this bubbly feeling and some anxiety that, that the market is about to pop, right? Um, and I don't know. I mean, one thing is like the, the, the technical analysis and the other one is like the fundamental one. Um, and I think like the, the fundamental fundamental developments really speak for like a continuation of like the bull market uh, for at least to to like a certain extent. Um, I mean, I would say, I mean, I'm still expecting like Bitcoin to to peak somewhere around like 100 to 150k, and then we get like a like a, a altcoin like. A time-lagged altcoin run, and like as we have seen in 2017. But um, yeah, obviously, I'm I'm not like delusional, and I I agree with you. And there will be like another bear market, and there will be like another bubble burst. But I think like the great development this time is I I think the bear market won't be as harsh as like the last one has been, right? I think. Sorry, you mean for the drawdown? Sorry. You mean for the drawdown for the downside effect? Yeah, um, I mean, this is actually what we also see um, in, in this chart, right? I mean, like uh, over the years, um, it, it, it gets it gets less and less. And I think this is also what will happen this time again. Uh, I think um, given that we yeah, that we have like way more adoption and also like that, the, that the, I mean, it's not so much only about the price, but also like about the involvement of the space right i mean in 2017 it was only white papers now we already have like um 
functional technology and um, people like like or like projects launching the products actually live already. People are using it. DeFi protocols that actually work right. And this is why I think um, this time it won't be like that like that harsh uh, of a like of a of a correction, right? I mean, it will still be like pretty painful, <laughs> but um, it, it won't be like 80 to 90% like, like last time. I think rather like maybe 40 to 50%. And um, I think this is the, the, the cool thing about it. And the more adopted the space becomes and the, the bigger it grows and the, the less volatile it also will get. I see. That's, that's actually a very interesting uh, way to, to view you know, to view uh, from, from from your side, I'm actually yeah, uh, thinking. I'm, I'm talking like complete bullshit here. <laughs> but, no, 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 uh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Listen, like you know, w w only God knows, you know, what's going to happen. Just like you said, yeah. you know, nobody yeah. knows where it's going to peak. If it's yeah, going to go forward, up, yeah. downwards, yeah. back and <laughs> forward, you know, we 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 can only. Nobody knows if the planetary crashes or anything about a week yeah. and we all die. Nobody knows yeah. that, right? But yeah, so, completely. But I but I completely agree with you of you as well. And I think this is why it's also like super important to always combine like sentiment with uh, technical analysis and also with fundamental analysis. And um, then I think if you're taking like all of these into account, um, then you should just like like everyone should just like um, have their 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 own view on on like the whole topic, but um, based on like actual research. Yeah. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Uh, the information yeah. asymmetry is what makes you money. If you know things better, faster, then you're going to make money of those who actually lag mm -hmm. behind you. And uh, I, I, I actually, I actually could only partially agree regarding the drawdown. I mean, again, nobody knows what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I believe, as a technical analyst, as a certified technical analyst, I have to believe. I choose to believe that uh, the great history is the greatest teacher. And yeah. that our human behavior, you know, is what exactly what rallies the those bubbles to go some unprecedented amounts of, you know, excess multipliers. Uh, but it also is exactly what draws down uh, Bitcoin and those bubbleish sort of like assets mm -hmm. after bursting, uh, usually on average, about 80%. That's mm -hmm. also what, what Peter Brand, as far as I'm concerned, also sort of like believed, suggested uh, the other day throughout uh, his 2017 or 18 a prediction over the bull market peak, right? Which he which he pretty much like quote perfectly, and uh, and it's actually a fact that most of the bubbles they they retrace uh, heavily, right? So I, I personally would be, uh, I mean, you should be ready for the worst, and if the best comes, you're ready anyway. Well, yeah, so if you're ready for eighty percent or ninety percent decline, then you're going to enjoy fifty percent, right? <laughs> so that's that comes out of question. But I mean, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm just like curious. I mean, what, I mean, given like you're mostly into technical analysis, I mean, what, what is your view then like on like where Bitcoin is going to peak? And where yeah, I mean, you, you actually, you actually worded exactly what my thoughts are, you know, mm -hmm. those uh, like, I almost feel you, you're, you, you're like read from my charts because we think alike, we really think alike. And I do think, you know, Bitcoin is going to see the peak around 100,000. I don't know where it's going to happen. I think 100,000 is like a, it's a, it's a big milestone. It's a psychological barrier, but of yeah. a much bigger, ex, to much bigger extent than let's say 50,000, because yeah. it's like a level up. It's like becomes, you know, it yeah. becomes six digit, 
six digit, yeah, you know, six figure number all of a sudden. Yeah. So it's like a complete, you know, milestone, generational milestone. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're we're going to see that this easily, you know. Uh, if we see, well, I'm fine by me, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to make so much more money, but yeah, yeah. but and what I, I what I'm trying. I mean, I think people people also need to to stay realistic, right? And I mean, I mean, let's say we we uh, will reach a hundred k, then uh, I mean, we we obviously went up tremendously, and then like an eighty percent correction is also completely fine. I mean, how how can you complain about like finding support at twenty uh, k or something, which was recently yeah, the, the, the exactly. Month, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's actually interesting. That's actually interesting. Uh, and apparently, uh, Bitcoin rarely ever just goes down, you know, to the levels. If you compare, of course, this yeah. is log- logarithmic curve, right? But mm-hmm. uh, but you would see, you know, twelve fifty peak of two thousand thirteen and thirty one twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Per per uh, per two thousand eighteen bottom. So mm-hmm. here it's like this gap that is apparently on the emerging markets highly sort of like you know just emerging markets like crypto is the Bitcoin is. This is building up the demand, right? This is building up the demand on the bottom, which usually does not let those supports to be retested. So mm. if this was the all-time high, then TA would suggest that perhaps, you know, we're going to need to accept Bitcoin, you know, uh, in the future, I don't know, perhaps. Uh, we're going to see Bitcoin, you know, just being extremely cheap, you know, somewhere below, uh, you know, 20,000, if we ever get 10,000 again. I don't know, right? But that's 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 actually going to be a good good game to to play and to observe. Yeah, uh, yeah but I couldn't agree more. You know, uh, I think that because like the bubbles, right? If if there is every cycle starts with with some you know depression, the disbelief, right? And then mm-hmm. it starts participation acceleration. And for Bitcoin, this mm-hmm. you know this is how those bubbles look like. And the bubbles, yeah. the they are the most volatile. As I said, those ten, fifteen thousand dollar candles, they are going to appear. I think within within a day, upwards and downwards. You know. Yeah, and yeah. this is going to build up the liquidity for the whales to exit because the institutions only worth uh, worried about not giving away too much money of the profits, right? On the table, uh, like mm-hmm. off the table to the market in the mm-hmm. slippage mm-hmm. coming from the market sales, right? So I think, uh, yeah, I think in general, we are somewhere around here, right? We are somewhere uh, right about to see those biggest volatility. Yeah. Uh, the biggest sort of like, you know, the aggressive marketing campaigns are going all around the world right now. Uh, mm. As I said, the the mainstream distributors for like Tesla, Apple, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, whatever, right? You're going to see more of that coming, mm. right? And this is enabling new market shares. This is reaching out to the mainstream and this mainstream is needed for, uh, for, the, for the liquidity reasons. So I'm not, you know, I'm almost sure, you know, Elon Musk, uh, this is no knows perhaps per, perfectly what he's doing with his money, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm quite sure he invested way before, he, you know, Bitcoin itself, right? Because uh, uh, unless he doesn't care, right? Then, then who knows? <laughs> Which could yeah. also very well be with Elon Musk, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is just, you know, he, he leaves off memes, so you never know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Simon, with all that, you know, having said, being said, uh, I want to just very quickly lead to one of our last topics, you know, for today, because I've, uh, mm-hmm. you are a very busy person and I definitely want to fully appreciate your, your time and generosity. And uh, I'd like to talk to you about uh, your view, your perspective uh, over the new sort of like a monetary system that apparently is uh, 
is slowly becoming reality, right? I'm referring to, to ensuring inflation. You wouldn't see that in the news, in the media stations, but inflation is actually increasing, uh, which is additionally supported by the increase in the commodities markets, right? What, what WTI, like what, the, what the oil do, does, what, uh, what the gold, silver, you know, gold, of course, is sort of like confirmed to be manipulated, but silver has just also awakened. Uh, it's just, you know, like a couple of months ago, it broke out above seven year long accumulation in a perfect, beautiful breakout. I actually bought more gold and silver yesterday, by the way. <laughs> and what are your thoughts of the, I, I don't wrote it down as the industrial revolution for zero, right? So the digital economies and actually it's participation or DeFi participation in those terms. Like what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's actually like no doubt that we are living in the age of digitalization, right? So, so industry 4.0 and like the digital digital economy um, uh, are definitely a thing and, and much more than just like a meme or like a narrative or something. Um, in my opinion, um, when it comes to the future of finance, uh, we are already like seeing the, the first baby steps of, of like um, it actually being digitalized and with, with DeFi and, and the adoption of Bitcoin as like a financial instrument. And um, what I think is like pretty important here is that like while decentralization might not be like a key factor to um, most people entering DeFi, and they will quickly realize how, how much more accessible, like how much more accessible things actually get like with decentralization. And I think this is like a pretty important topic. And so I think DeFi is already like a great step when, when looking into the evolution of the internet and therefore like a big part of the economy 4.0. And I think like funnily, this is actually also like what we saw to a certain extent um, with the recent hype around like uh, Wall Street bets and like the scandal with GameStop being listed from Robin Hood. And so finance being handled by like a few centralized party, parties like always has been like a big controversial topic, right? Right. And, and this is what crypto was born for. I, I think this is just like something that people have to realize and wake up to. And this is like a process that will happen like rather slowly but surely. And um, yeah, I mean, also like from a non-crypto perspective, I, I think like assets um, will just like be like digitalized in the future or also maybe like governments issuing like their, their own regulated digital dollars or like digital euros or like whatever i think the it's it's definitely like the future of finance and it, it's it's just like a matter of time until like this these old concepts are like basically dying out well, it's actually, actually it's actually I, I sorry it's actually, it's, because i i just fucking hate cash <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry uh, yeah <laughs> I, I feel that i mean uh cash you know cash itself um Cash itself, you know, is of course like bearing, bearing the inflation mark. But what I want to say is actually, you know, I'm, I'm in close collaboration with Waves Protocol, and this okay. one of the biggest projects. And mm. what they do is actually, you know, uh, I'm speaking regarding to, to, the, uh, to the digital currencies and mm. not cryptocurrencies, but the digital ones, you know, the national mm. currencies. Mm. And you're going to see digitalized versions of the regular currencies uh, under mm. the uh, default decentralized sort of like a forex right and you're going to see uh the, the sort of like a stable coins versions of of dollar of uh of yeah. euro of you know of, of british pound right yeah. of yen of mm -hmm. 
of all those, you know, Brazilian uh, currency, for example, right, as well. So this is already sort of like in the development. This is already in the process. So I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't agree more, you know. Uh, but most importantly, most importantly, uh, what's sort of like the most um, disturbing, I think, is that these digital economies, you know, those 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 revolutions for zeros. Uh, DeFi like will definitely help many people become rich, but mm -hmm. what I think personally is inevitable, and I want to also hear your thoughts on that, uh, is that this full complete invigilation, this full complete like a bank control mm -hmm. over what we are going to see, because the inflation is killing the cash. In my opinion, we're not going to see cash anymore in about ten years from now. Mm -hmm. The cash is going to like literally, you know, slowly hyperinflate until it until it's literally like fully devaluated. That's also sort of like confirmed to be a strategy of uh, getting out of debt, like paying out the debt in the inflation that it uh, terms by mm. devaluating the debt itself. Mm. And uh, do you think it's really this pessimistic as much as I do? Um, yeah, I think so. And um, I think like cash will, will die out um, completely with you. Um, but I mean, sadly, uh, I also believe that because like blockchain and like um, like basically digitalization of like fiat um, actually is like a perfect instrument for the governments to further control the people, right? Um, I mean, like money is basically the, the most powerful instrument. And, and I mean, it's so easy to like, uh, like money laundry is like so easy with cash actually, right? And I mean, if this doesn't exist anymore and they, they have like full control, like um, they, they can everything see, they, they can see like everything on the blockchain. It's like fully transparent and they, they just like um, increase their, their power even more and their control. And I think um, this is um, what will happen. And I think this is also why regulation is still like a pretty, pretty tough topic uh, for crypto and like DeFi. And um, I think people have to be realistic about it, that, that we will still um, get like pretty heavy uh, drawbacks when it comes like to, to regulations. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, people can prepare like for very, very bad news, I guess. Um, but yeah, this is just like risk management that you, that you need to have in place. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Simon, I mean, you know, you've been so generous with your time and with your knowledge uh, already. Uh, we have this, we have this beautiful cast, you know, on the, on our on the Nest Show podcast uh, that we share. Our guests have the chance to share their sort of like a final message, final takeaway tip uh, that they want to leave our listeners with. What would it be for you? Um, actually, uh, I would say um, never burn bridges. Uh, right, because regardless uh, whether it's like in crypto or just like in real life, I mean, valuable contacts are basically everything um, to to make it, and um, you, it will it will always like circle back like badly on on you. So so just try to to stay like super kind and um, like basically generous to to all the people, and eventually uh, it will come back to you. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have to. I have to admit that I, I had to to learn this the the, the hard way. But um, this is like priority for me now. Like definitely. Yeah. I mean, 
Uh, I'm, you know, I repeated that a couple of times that I love it because I love it in the first place. But, uh, you know, this was also sort of like a trying to resonate it within my head alone, because, you know, at times, for example, you know that perfectly well as well for running, you know, this big account on uh, mm -hmm. on Twitter, which I highly encourage everybody to visit and to put follow on Simon's account, which goes under at S Coinaldo, S Coinaldo. Uh, so make sure to put a follow on, on his Twitter uh, account. But the big account is also sort of like a big responsibility and big headache uh, too yeah. too often. And uh, at times, you know, I'm really I'm really uh, just sort of like running out of patience when I see, you know, yeah. when I see when I see some comments. I mean, it's it's pretty pretty crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I can only imagine how, how bad it, it must be for, for yourself, right? Like, I mean, you obviously have like a way bigger account, but I mean, the problem is you, you just can't please everyone at the same time. So I, I, I started to accept this and I mean, there, there will always be haters, but on the other hand, there are always like people who really appreciate what we do. And this is all also like super, super great to see, like always. Yeah, very true. Ladies and gentlemen, Simon Dijic, managing partner of Muno Capital, blockchain crypto enthusiast, Bitcoin and altcoin trader, has been uh, our guest today. I appreciate your time, Simon. This is a great job, great podcast. Thanks for that. Thanks so much. Well, it was great to, to talk to you. Awesome. I appreciate it. Globe is a crypto derivatives exchange offering up to 100 times leverage on crypto and DeFi perpetual contracts with Bitcoin collateral. Sign up today at theburpness.com slash globe. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining this episode of The Nest Show. If you've appreciated the depth and breadth of what you've heard with us today, subscribe to our podcast and find our landing page at theburbnest.com. We have a vibrant Discord community which acts as our central hub of operations, and we welcome you to join us at thebirdnest.com slash discord. We also offer an extensive free bulletin on emerging crypto market trends, exclusive undervalued gem reports, and in-depth expert technical and fundamental analysis at thebirdnest.com slash bulletin. We always appreciate engagement from our community, which of course means liking the video and subscribing to our page, where we insist on bringing you the highest quality content available. Also, we're happy to incorporate tips and topics from our listeners and encourage you to email us at thenestro at thebirdnest.com. This podcast is brought to you by The Burb Nest. Thank you and trade on.